Hey everybody, it's Kendall from Recording Lounge. It is August 19th, 2013, and I'm here today to do a quick show about why ribbon mics rock. So, ribbon mics. We've known them, we've seen them, they've been around a long time, and it seems like guys that use ribbon mics a lot are in love with ribbon mics. But people that have only used them a little bit, maybe once or twice, or maybe not at all, they don't really like them. And I know that sounds like an obvious statement at first, but just think about it for a second. The people that spend more time using them really start to understand their benefits. But the people that have only used them once or twice are like, eh, you know, don't really, I don't really get into that. Because ribbons are sort of like a fine wine. They take a little while to get used to if you're not, you know, accustomed to the taste. And the point of ribbon mics being awesome is not really a strong enough point. I mean, I can say ribbon mics rock, but I'm going to give you some actual information that you can use, things you maybe didn't know before, things you haven't thought about with ribbons. And obviously, condenser mics are great, dynamic mics are great, and nobody is suggesting that you strictly use ribbon mics or that you get rid of your other mics. You know, But ribbon mics have certain qualities about them that um, other mics just cannot do. You cannot get that sound by using any processor or using any EQ or any compressor. Um, they really pick up sound in a different way than other mics do. So I'm going to talk about some myths, some pros and some cons, um, maybe not in that order, but just to sort of debunk some of these things. So let's talk about some of the myths. The most common myth about ribbon mics is that ribbon mics are fragile. And Okay, so I call it a myth, but it's not really a myth necessarily. It's just it needs some qualification because ribbon mics aren't really fragile, but the ribbon element is fragile. So it's not that the mic is just some piece of junk. I mean, that's, that, that's ridiculous. It's not that, you know, you put it in front of something and it just explodes or, or it just sounds awful or it has to be, you know, used with a finger-picked guitar and nothing else. That's actually not true at all. Ribbon mics are fragile to the extent of they can't handle air blasts very well. So it's not level that harms a ribbon mic. It's not singing loud or a, having a loud guitar cab that damages a ribbon mic. It's air blasts, meaning um, the air can literally snap the ribbon or bend the ribbon or make the ribbon sag or, you know, harm it in some way because the ribbon element itself is very, very, very low mass, very thin, okay? It's not like a, a condenser capsule where, you know, you're, you're dealing with sort of a plate. You know, you're dealing with, I mean, literally, uh, my guess is something like a couple of hairs thickness of a piece of aluminum. So, yes, to the, to the mind, to the ear even, that sounds fragile, but truth is, ribbons can take a lot of levels, so we'll, we'll get more into that later. Another myth is that phantom power can destroy a ribbon. Again, not true. Most ribbon mics, these days at least, I'm not, I can't speak for all ribbon mics ever made, but most ribbon mics these days are plenty fine accepting phantom power. It's the arcing of phantom power that can destroy a ribbon. So, if you're using XLR cables, and you plug in from the mic to the preamp directly, no patch bay, nothing like that, you can power a mic with phantom power because phantom power does not hit the ribbon element that way. However, if you're using a patch bay with TT cables or TRS cables, notice how 
on a TRS cable or a quarter inch cable or a TT cable, however you want to, wh whichever one, the pins are they have to sl they have to slide into the jack sequentially. So you hit the tip, the ring, the sleeve, and they slide across the contacts to get in place. Whereas an XLR cable has three isolated pins that go into three isolated holes, and that's a big difference to note. No one is really using XLR patch bays. I mean, I've never seen one of people using that for patching. But if you use a TRS patch bay and there is phantom power on the preamp, then sliding the quarter-inch cable in or the TT cable in can arc phantom power to the wrong pin, which can damage a ribbon mic. Okay, But me, for example, I prefer to run my snakes and my wiring, my, my lines from the live room, hardwired into preamps. I don't like to use a patch bay in between the mic and the preamp. It is a little bit more work, it's a little more annoying, but I think it sounds better because it keeps me from using more cable. You know, it easily would have added six feet of cable on both ends, on the input and output, so another 12 to 20 feet of cable total that I didn't need, maybe more. And so I figured, you know, I want to keep the lines as short as I possibly can from the mic to the pre. So I do that. So I never have to worry about the phantom power issue with that because I'm never, you know, sliding in phantom power. Now, there are some microphones out there that claim to reject phantom power even if they're arced like that, you know. Um, another great argument for using ribbon mics still with the phantom power thing is a lot of guys like to use this thing called the cloud lifter which is a little box that adds clean gain to a microphone. And the little box is powered by phantom power. Thus, if you plug a ribbon mic into it, which ribbons are kind of low output, if you plug a ribbon mic into this and the cloud lifter is powered by phantom power, it will not pass phantom power to the mic no matter what. So that's a great thing. If you're really freaked out about it, buy a cloud lifter and put it in between. You're not going to, you know, not going to do it that way. Now, here's another thing. Here's another myth. All ribbons are figure eight. Now, naturally, the design of a ribbon element does lend itself towards a figure eight pattern. And in fact, it's the most true figure eight pattern of really any other mic out there that has a figure eight pattern. And the idea that all ribbon mics are figure eight is just not true. Biodynamic M160, that's a hypercardioid ribbon mic. The uh, AEA KU4, that's a, uh, I believe, cardioid ribbon mic. And one of the only ones, if not the only one. So let's scratch that, okay? And another thing is like, what's the fear of figure eight? Why do, why do people not want to use figure eight? I don't understand. I mean, are people really freaked out about you know, the sound coming from the back. Truth is, if you can't get a good sound with a figure eight mic, it's not the mic's problem. Think about that for a minute. Whether it's a condenser or a ribbon, if your sound is bad with a figure eight and it's good with a cardioid, then something needs to be fixed. I mean, the, the room needs to be treated or you need to work on the mic placement of the source that you're working on or whatever. The polar pattern doesn't really like make the mic super, super different. I mean, sure, it will affect the response of the mic a little bit, but it won't really make the mic sound like a different microphone, so to speak. So, point is, 
figure eight is not a bad thing. And you might think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get bleed from other instruments. And it's like, okay, unless you're really recording a lot of things live, you know, are you really that worried about bleed? A lot of people these days do things individually. You know, they'll do the drums and then they'll do the, the guitars or bass or whatever, and they'll do them separately. And so polar patterns aren't as much of an issue. Now, again, if you're really worried about bleed and if you want to get a ribbon sound but need to be very cautious of, you know, separation, Biodynamic M160 is hypercardioid. It's got a great tight pattern and it sounds really, really nice and not that expensive. Speaking of that, another myth is that ribbon mics are expensive. And sure, they are more expensive than your average dynamic mic, but they're definitely not not nearly as expensive as a good tube mic. I mean, a great sort of top-of-the-line ribbon mic might run you $1,200 to $2,000 for, for a really, really nice mic. I mean, one of the nice, some of the nicest ribbons out there are in that price range, one to $2,000. But some of the nicest tube microphones out there can go for two, three, four, five, seven, ten thousand dollars. I mean, if we're talking about top of the line, you know, sort of the good stuff in the pro audio world. So the price difference is really, you know, pretty significant. I would liken, you know, a good ribbon mic's price point to a good solid state large diaphragm condenser, like a 414 or a Bach 195 or something like that. I mean, they're really more in that price range. You can get some of the classic ribbon mic designs for seven, eight, nine hundred bucks, and that would be considered a really, really nice ribbon mic. So, and you've also even got stuff like the Cascade mics, like the Fathead and the Elroy, that are very inexpensive and really give the more expensive ribbons a run for the money. They're really nice sound. So, ribbons being expensive, it's debunked. So, the last myth is that ribbons aren't articulate. You know, sure, ribbons can be a little dark, but they're not, it's not that they're not clear or crisp or that they're not articulate. In fact, ribbon mics are very, very punchy, and they don't distort the same way that other microphones do. And so, we'll talk a little bit more of that in, about that in a little bit, but point is, it's a myth. Ribbon mics are definitely articulate, and they're definitely punchy. Now, before I get into the pros, I'm just going to go ahead and get the cons out of the way. These are truths about ribbons that are a little upsetting sometimes, but in general, you can work around them without problems. The first con of ribbon mics is that they're a low output, generally speaking. If it's a passive ribbon, like most ribbon mics are, then the output is significantly lower than a condenser mic. It's somewhere around that of a, of a dynamic mic, sometimes even lower. So... Unless you're recording something like a vocal or a violin or something, you're probably fine because a lot of times we'll use ribbons on loud sources like drums, guitar amps, horns, stuff like that. Now, if you're trying to record like a finger-picked acoustic guitar or just even an acoustic guitar in general or a violin or something that's not really a loud instrument or a vocal, then you might have some issues. But... Again, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the pros section because there are things that you can do to compensate for this. They do, however, make active ribbon mics like the Royer 122. 
that have uh, a FET circuitry inside that allow the mic to have, I think, 13 or 14 dB higher output than the passive design, which is pretty significant and now puts it more up to the level of sort of a, a semi-low output condenser. But very, very nice sound still. So recording acoustic guitar and vocals and strings are now no longer a problem. And um, and even still, some people have to pad that mic down because the output is so much more significant. Another feature to note is that certain ribbon mics have a lower output than others. Uh, the Royer mics in general have a little bit higher output than other ribbons that I've tried. So even their passive designs have a higher output than, for example, my uh, Shure KSM-313, a great mic. The next con is that ribbons can be a little dark you know, frequency-wise. The top end is generally real smooth on a ribbon mic, which we like, but sometimes it can be a little dull. And it really depends on the ribbon mic, because some ribbon mics, even though they might be dull, they don't necessarily have a lot of low end either, so they become more of a mid-rangey mic. And a lot of times, that fits in a mix much better, especially if you're the type of guy that ends up high-passing and low-passing sources anyway the mic can do it for you, and then in the mix, you might not have to touch it at all. Again, microphones are just tools. They're just, they're ways to get a sound before having to touch any other processors. And so, of course, they should sound different, you know? You need mics that are darker and mics that are brighter. There are condenser mics out there that are really, really flat sounding, some that are really dark, others that are really bright, you know? It's just other colors in the palette. So even though it's a con, there are ways to work around it, and we'll get more into that in a bit. The next con is that, you know, ribbon mics can be damaged by air blasts, and that is a truth. I know I talked about it in the myth that, you know, ribbons are fragile, but the truth is ribbon elements are fragile, but only fragile to air blasts. However... There are mics out there, like the Shure KSM series of ribbons, which was previously owned by a company called Crowley and & Tripp, and Shure bought them out. And um, so there's a, there's a mic called the 313. I think there's another one called the 353 or something like that. These mics claim to have an unbreakable ribbon. They claim to use a proprietary material that can withstand air blasts. And you, I mean, you can put it in front of a kick drum or a bass amp, something that pushes a lot of air physically, and it will be fine, according to their website. So, if you're really worried about ribbons and air blasts, check out the Shure KSM-313. It's a great ribbon mic, pretty affordable price. It is a top-of-the-line mic. It sounds really nice. It used to be called the Crowley & Trip Naked Eye, and um, really, really nice-sounding mic. You can find them used on eBay all the time. So, another con of ribbon mics is that, generally speaking, you have to store them and place them vertically, and that's sort of recommended. Now, according to Royer's website, you don't have to worry about that with Royer ribbons. The way that it's designed and tensioned, uh, a mic can be positioned sideways or stored sideways for years with no problems. The idea is that a ribbon mic, uh, the ribbon element itself, I mean, imagine a little bifold, like, you know, zigzag of aluminum foil. That's essentially what a ribbon is. And if you leave it horizontally, it can sag and stretch out just because of gravity. And like I said, Royer mics you apparently don't have to do that with, but other mics you do. You need to store them vertically. 
and you know you can't, don't leave them horizontal for too long. Now, again, it's a con, but really, is it that much of a big deal? No, it's not really that much of a big deal at all. Now let's talk about the pros. Let's talk about why ribbon mics rock. And this is going to sort of hopefully aff- affirm some of your your worries and will sort of give you the opposite of these myths and the cons now to talk about why ribbon mics rock. I would say the number one reason why ribbon mics rock is that according to some researchers and some engineers, um, ribbon elements hear sound like our ears more than any other mic. More than any other electronic design of a microphone, uh, they hear sound like our ears hear it. And that may or may not be true, but they sound a little more, they sound natural, they, they really sound sort of realistic. They have a, a punch in the, in the low end and a smoothness in the high end that sounds very much like you're there. I mean, you really see, like on a guitar amp, for example, if you're hitting like, you know, a drop D chords with this big fat punch, the ribbon mics really pick up that oomph from the cab that makes you feel that punch, like it feels like you're hearing that cab pulse in front of you, which is really interesting, and if you haven't heard it, you really should try. A good ribbon mic will do that, and you feel that low end. Um, So a lot of times, too, even though some people argue that ribbons are dark, our ears, we sort of can brace ourselves, and our ears will sort of deal with the high end of a source. So, for example, if you're at a concert... You know, your ears begin to become used to these high transient volumes and these high brightness levels of sound, and your ears sort of naturally adapt. Well, a ribbon mic is seemingly almost the same way. It's not that it adapts, really. It doesn't change. But it has a nice way of handling the upper frequency information, even though it might sound a little dull to the untrained ear. And like I said... I mean, ribbon mics come in all different shapes and sizes and, and tones, so it's not that all ribbon mics are dark. All, I mean, ribbon mics are very different from one another. That's why there are different models. So, more about that in a bit. Another great thing about ribbon mics is that they can take a ton of level. I mean, a silly amount of level. And though we talked about they can be damaged by air... Again, if you're worried, put up a pop filter in front of the mic or get a KSM-313... And they can just take a silly amount of level from drums or from guitar cabs or, you know, really loud singers. And so if you if you need something that, you know, is generally loud and harsh and sometimes can sound very, very ear-piercing, a ribbon is a great mic to handle that. Because in addition to being able to take a lot of level, my favorite part about ribbons is that they don't distort really. I mean, they do, but not not hardly at all in comparison to a dynamic mic or a condenser mic. They don't take distortion the same way. So what happens is, when you are recording something, let's say an acoustic guitar, you can very easily distort a microphone, and it's not, we're not talking about like guitar amp distortion. We're talking about subtle, subtle bits of distortion that add up over the course of the, of the chain. And, you know, a couple of shows ago, I'd say, gosh, I don't know, maybe it was a lot longer ago, I did a quick show about why do we need different mics and why do we need different preamps and why do we need, you know, different gear? Why can't we just record everything with one type of preamp and one type of mic or whatever? 
And one of the biggest arguments is that if you have a mic that's really sensitive to distortions in, let's say, the three kilohertz area, and you record ten instruments with that mic, and they all have little subtle bits of distortion in that area that you can't really hear just upon listening to a track in solo, but when you play all those tracks together, the cumulative effect is this sort of harshness in the, in the sound that you can't really pinpoint, because it, when you listen to an individual channel, it's not really there. Distortions are all over the place. They can be in the low end, the high end, the mid-range, and like I said, they can be very subtle to the point where they, you can't even really hear them. So you might ask, why does it matter if we can't hear them? Well, when you start EQing something, when you start adding EQs to things, when you start adding compression to things, that is brought up and it's accentuated. And the parts of the sound that are bad are now accentuated even more. So if you have distortion and you end up boosting some top end and you have some distortion up in the top end, you're really going to hear it. And which is one reason I really believe that a lot of people associate mixing in the box with harshness because it's often associated with recording straight to digital and recording, you know, with condenser mics and lower quality equipment, so to speak. And so, and it's the sum of all parts. You know, you can't solely blame any one thing. You can't solely blame microphone distortion. You can't solely blame preamp distortion. You can't blame, you know, plugins. Point is, it's all about signal integrity. You know, every little step of the chain matters. Every cha- every step is important is as important as the next. And removing distortions early on is really important because you want a clear sound. That's probably the fourth thing about ribbons that uh, make ribbons so awesome is that they EQ better than just about any other mic that I've ever used. So they can take ridiculous boosts of EQ, boosts and cuts, and still sound pretty natural. And again, I think that's because of their low distortion. And so when you start boosting the top end on a ribbon mic, you can boost 6, 8, 10 dB on a ribbon mic, and it still sounds good. It's pretty amazing how it can do that. And you should try it. You know, if you have a ribbon mic, really mess around with EQing it for a while, and you'll realize, man, that still sounds pretty good even when you EQ it a lot. The idea is that you don't have to EQ it a lot, but you get the point. Another great thing about ribbons is that they have a great off-axis sound. So even if it's figure eight, okay, yes, 90 degrees off the center of the mic, it's going to be nothing, essentially, because it's a figure eight. That's how the polar pattern works. They're less sensitive to left and right movement. I notice this a lot with horn players. You know, horn players can't really stand in the same spot easily. They, they tend to move a little bit. They tend to sway left to right. Well, ribbons aren't as affected by that as a lot of other mics are. A lot of condenser mics will sound, you know, darker off to the left or right of the of the zero point on the mic, you know, right in front on axis. They'll start to get darker and so if someone seems to like sway left to right with their trumpet, let's say, the sound can change little by little as they move and you can hear them moving. And that's a good thing in one way cuz it, you know, it it shows that the mic is detailed, but with ribbons, they're less sensitive to that in a good way, in a in a pleasing way. So they can really take, you know, movement in uh, in a in a player or something like that in in a pleasing way that still sounds good, which is like I said, very helpful for stringed instruments and horns and sometimes even acoustic guitar players that tend to, you know, like rock back and forth or whatever. 
Another great thing about ribbons and why ribbons rock is that they have a great transient response. Some people think that ribbons, because they're low output, because they're dull on the top end sometimes, people associate them with not being like a clear mic, you know, like they're, oh, they're not super sensitive, blah, blah, blah. But truth is, ribbon mics are exceptionally punchy. They pick up transients very, very sensitively. Now, the, the output is a little low, but they pick up transients very well and also in a pleasing way because also one thing that makes ribbon mics so cool is that they tend to self-compress, not a lot, but a little bit. So transients come across, not only do they come across punchy, they come across not spiky and not harsh, not like ice pick to the ear sound. And that's great in this digital world. I would say that leads me to my last point about why ribbon mics rock is that they're one of the best ways to combat digitally sounding recordings. If you are working in a home studio and all you have is, you know, your typical setup of some digital uh, interface and, you know, you've got plugins and you use plugins to mix and you're using pretty clean sounding stuff like solid state microphones and, you know, pretty clean sounding preamps like stock preamps on interfaces from RME or Avid or something like that. Stuff can start to sound a little sterile. They don't really sound warm anymore. It doesn't sound like the recordings that you hear in your head. Well, again, part of that is tape. A lot of the favorite recordings that we have that we hear in our head were done on tape. And that seemed to self-compress and be a little shy on top end, again, in a pleasing way. But ribbon mics can combat that by having that warmth, the low-end punch, the uh, sort of slight self-compression and a little bit shy on the top end that really can make a ribbon mic stand out in a gorgeous way in the mix. And so I encourage you to try out a ribbon mic. If you haven't before, go check out CascadeMicrophones.com. They make a microphone called a Cascade Fathead that I believe is something like 175 bucks. And if you've never used one before, especially if you're a guitarist or a drummer, you really owe it to yourself to try it out at least once. Now, my favorite microphone from Cascade is the Elroy. I think that's their best-sounding ribbon. But even still, that mic's only a couple hundred bucks. Point is, give yourself the opportunity to mess around with a ribbon mic, especially if you record a lot of drums, electric guitars, and horns, and strings, because they can really, really make those sounds so, so nice, very smooth, very enjoyable to listen to, and that top end is just not harsh at all. If you're worried about the output being too low, I would check out the Cloud Lifter. Um, I don't know if the company that makes that is just Cloud Lifter. I think that might be the company. I'm not, can't really think of it now, but um, I think that's like 100 bucks or 150 bucks, and it will increase the output of that microphone. It's also great for dynamic mics too, um, by about 20 decibels, I think. So if you're really worried about the output being too low, then check out that thing too. And you know, if you're really wanting to take a leap, the microphones that I highly suggest as far as ribbons go, um, I really like the Shure KSM 313. I think that's a great mic, sounds great on a lot of things. I also really like the Royer 121, the Royer 122. I also really like the Royer SF12. Again, you can spend hours and hours looking up all these different microphones and checking them out. And I would say if you just had to buy one, if you just said, I want one good ribbon mic that can do it all, I would probably have to say the Royer R121. 
because it seems to have a little more top end and a little more low end than most ribbon mics have. And the output's a little hotter, I'd say about 3 to 5 dB hotter than your average ribbon. And it just sounds amazing on just about everything. I mean, if you want to hear how your guitar amp sounds in the room, if you've struggled with, you know, I love the way my amp sounds in the room, I can't get it right in the recording, if you buy a ribbon mic and put it about six inches to a foot away from the amp and just try pressing record and hearing how it sounds, you might be amazed at how realistic it sounds. There's so much depth to it. So I know I said this was going to be a short show, and I feel like I've been talking my brain off for about 30 minutes now, but hopefully it's given you something to think about. So if you have questions, email them to recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Check out the blog, recordinglounge.blogspot.com. Facebook page is facebook.com slash recordinglounge. Get a ribbon mic, and if you have one, use it. Okay? Enjoy.